level up with New Memphis Fellows. Established in your career, but feel something's missing? Let New Memphis complete the puzzle. The New Memphis Fellows program is a leadership development experience for mid-career leaders. Designed for high-performing professionals already excelling in their careers and impacting our community. New Memphis Fellows will amplify your power with connections, skills, and experiences. Level up on your career and apply for Fellows today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information. Good morning, Memphis. We are here with your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. My name is Anna Mullins-Ellis. I'm here with my teammate, Christy Mullen. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Memphis. We come to you weekly uh, with this both radio programs, so you might be listening to us at, on Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. on WYXR, our great friends over at yeah. WYXR in Crosstown. Uh, uh, we also make this available via a podcast once a week that drops on 9.01 on Tuesday morning. So if you're listening to us for the first time, thank you. We're glad to have you here. Um, we work with an organization called New Memphis. We are a local nonprofit that is working to make Memphis magnetic for great talent. We are working to showcase all of the people, projects, organizations that are building a better future for our city. So that is how we program the show. We invite guests on who are talking about, um, again, the amazing and innovative work that they are leading across our city. Every once in a while, we also, I feel like I've really complicated things for the, if, if you're a first time listener, you're like, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> I need like a, a a bulletin board with like string attaching I ideas. I feel like that's that it's that meme exactly. where all the stuff just follows. I'm like, and face. then we also host <laughs> TED. So if you're familiar with TED Talks, um, which I imagine you are if you live on this planet, TED is a global organization that hosts these TED Talks that you are probably aware of. Uh, we host a local TEDx conference once a year, and we've been doing this for the past five years. So we have this incredible bank of locally created TED Talks. These are, I mean, truly polished, brilliant folks who are sharing, you know, their big idea from a TED stage. So every few weeks we bring uh, a sort of TED flashback. We like to call them TED 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 Episodes. Ted episodes. Ted episodes. Yes. I don't think it rolls off the tongue as much as we think it does. I'm like I'm like Ted episode. I'm here for it. Anna's having complications, but it could also be what our guest provided us with before this podcast. It's true. I I'm, I was like spoiler alert. We had Alex Castle here uh, just a bit ago to chat with us, and then we shared her TED talk. And before she left, she um, gave us a, a little taste yes. of the wares of Old Dominic Distillery. So um, if you haven't had a shot of bourbon at 8 a.m., I don't recommend it every day, no. but uh, some days, you I know. I feel really warm inside, and I'm warm and fuzzy, and I love it. I feel very energized yeah. for probably the next 15 minutes, but yeah. I'll be ready to take a nap. <laughs> Um, so as I mentioned, again, uh, we host a TED conference every year. It is the time, finally, uh, because of 2020, yes. we, ha we haven't had a TED conference in uh, a year and a half. Since February, like, yeah. Of, of, 20, of 2020. So um, we are going to be hosting our 2021 TEDx conference on October 30th. We are going to be at the Levitt Shell, uh, which is going to be unique. Uh, usually we're inside in a little dark theater. I think this is going to be both hopefully safe, um, but also just a really cool kind of fun way to reinvent TED. Definitely. So if you are interested in joining us, um, again, it's on October 30th. Tickets are available. Go to TEDxMemphis.com. Uh, you can get individual tickets. Uh, you can get blocks of tickets. Um, but we're going to host another great lineup of TED speakers. Uh, we will, we're currently 
you know, just flying through hundreds <laughs> of TED talk submissions from all of the great people in Memphis who have a great idea they want to share. So many great ideas. Like, I'm kind of not astounded because Memphis is just full of great ideas, period. But when you see them all written out on paper, it's a little, t- I'm like, whoa. I, I, I was being serious when I told the team, like, the hardest part of putting on a TED conference <laughs> is reading all of these great submissions and then choosing somehow like 12 or 15 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a true tough, tough choice. Um, but we're going to have a great lineup that will be announced on the website as well. And I'm sure we will talk about it here on the podcast once we have all of those speakers lined up. But if you want to get in on the action early before we even announce those speakers. Yes. And they're going to be good, guys. Can you can go me. claim your TEDx tickets. Um, it's going to be a super fun day. We'll have two sessions, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Uh, it's always a lineup of really diverse speakers. So it's not just on one topic. We've got folks, you know, people from, uh, you know, artists, academics, uh, activists, entrepreneurs, uh, all the big buzzwords <laughs> that I can think of right now. They, uh, we program the day to really take you through a journey of some of the best thinking coming out of Memphis. Again, some of our um, brightest talent kind of taking the stage and, and uh, putting on a show. So it's a lot of fun. I encourage you to join us. Um, again, you can uh, go to TEDxMemphis.com. You can learn more. You'll hear about the speakers from there, and you can buy tickets. Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, again, we have a great uh, past TED speaker from 2019 yeah. who also happens to be a new Memphis graduate of our Embark mm-hmm. program. Um, just an all-around cool gal um, yeah, who nice. travels with bottles yeah, of bourbon just, in her purse. So. That's thing. It's great. Yeah, it's hard not to be liked when you... Um, <laughs> so Christy, tell us a little bit about our guest. Yeah, so as we already alluded to, guys, today's episode is... Is a very special one with Alex Castle, who really needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's the rules of the radio. So she is the senior vice president and master distiller over at Old Dominic. And like Anna said, she's a new Memphis graduate of our program. So she's been a friend of ours for a while now. And she's here to talk about her 2019 TEDx Memphis talk, Whiskey, the Cure for Perfection, which, come on, the name alone is real human. So I, you guys, I have to tune in for this one. And so I, we have said a lot this morning, so I'm just going to say, <laughs> what better way to start this episode than to leave you with that title? And let's roll into it, Anna. Let's do it. All right, guys, we are here in studio with Alex Castle with old Dominic. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am so excited to have you here. You guys can't see, and I wish you could, and I will be posting it on social later, but she walked in and immediately took bottles out of her purse, which I'm assuming that's how she enters every room. And if she if she had <laughs> any other job, you'd be like, this woman has a problem. Yeah. But you're like, you know what, 8 a.m., absolutely, let's... <laughs> Yeah, you got to start your day off right. I, I mean, I am here to support my community, Alex. And if this is what it takes, I'm fine with it. Take one for the team. <laughs> well, I just, you are such a Memphis force of a person, in my opinion, and I think a lot of other people's. And just old Dominic has evolved into this amazing city staple and asset. But before we kind of deep dive into all of that, and it is a lot, you have done a lot of cool things. I want you just to tell the people listening a little bit about you and how you got to this point. Yeah, um, so I appreciate being considered a Memphis force since (laughs) I'm not actually from Memphis originally. No, I'm originally from Kentucky and fell in love when I was in high school with chemistry and physics. And um, through conversations with my mom, I was introduced to the idea of chemical engineering. Um, Just a casual uh, degree, not hard at all to obtain. (laughs) Not at all, you know. Had no clue what I was signing up for when I made that decision. Um, But 
she said you can make beer and be a brewmaster or make bourbon and be a master distiller. And again, that was in high school. I was like 15. <laughs> uh, I was like, that sounds amazing. And so that was that was the end of it. Went to UK, studied chemical engineering, uh, got my start in the distilling industry during that time. Did a co-op with uh, Alltech. They make uh, Town Branch bourbon. Okay. Helped them get that distillery started um, right when I was 21. And then uh, fast forward, got to spend uh, four years at Wild Turkey. Um, okay. So, I was like, that's a name I recognize. Yes, yes. <laughs> Big distillery in Kentucky. Um, but spent four years there learning production and, and how to how to manage all of that. And then back in 2015, I uh, received a message on LinkedIn asking if I knew of anyone that might want to move to Memphis and help start a distillery. And took a couple days. Yeah, <laughs> took a couple days to think about it and replied back with my resume. Had That's you ever been so to Memphis cool. at that point? No, my interview was the first time. Wow. Those are my favorite stories. Yeah. I was like, yeah. You just kind of took a leap of faith, honestly. I, I did. And I wasn't even looking to leave Wild Turkey. I really, mm-hmm. I loved it. There was a great company. Um, and it was just being shown this opportunity like, hey, what, you know, never thought about starting a distillery. I really didn't want the work involved. Um, but once I was, you know, shown the opportunity, I realized it was something I did want, and I just didn't know it. And that was old Dominic. And so for those listening who sadly may not possibly know, like, what is old Dominic? And also, I want to know, where did that name come from? Yeah, so old Dominic is a, it's not really a brand new distillery anymore. Um, I told you, it's a Memphis staple now. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to believe it's uh, been four years. Uh but yeah, so we opened our doors to the public uh, May 2017. We are located right downtown. Uh, if you know where Gus's is, then you know mm-hmm. where Old Dominic <laughs> is. We're right across the street. Um, but we're really an old brand. Um, while the distillery's only been open for four years, the brand dates back to the 1800s. Okay. Um, the founder of our parent company, Dominico Canali, um, started Decanaling Company in 1866. And shortly thereafter, decided he wanted a whiskey. And named it after himself because what <laughs> else you do? Yeah, what else are you going to name honestly, it? Honestly, why wouldn't you? At that, I mean, <laughs> you know. So he called it Old Dominic yeah. after himself. Uh, unfortunately, the brand you know went away because of prohibition uh, and did not come back once repeal happened. Um, but the family continued operations. Decanelli and Company continued um, operating through this entire time. They had a the Anheuser-Busch distributorship here in town okay. up until, I think, the early 2000s. They had a food distributorship that they sold off in the late 1990s. Um, and in, in 2013, 2014, our current president, who is the fifth-generation owner, so Dominico's great-great-grandson, hmm. decided he wanted to to set up his legacy. What was he going to hand off to his family in the future generations? And came across one of those bottles of Old Dominic whiskey, and decided why not um so he's set off down the road to uh to open a distillery that's really cool i didn't even realize those connections there between Mm -hmm. that so that's really interesting i'm like amused right now so listeners i hope you are too um are you guys i know 
we always have to ask the inevitable question about how you guys shifted in the pandemic and the way you guys did it was really cool. But just to get a status update on where you are at this current point, are you guys offering tours or anything now? Yeah, so we were able to uh, open fully again back at the beginning of May. Um, Prior to that, we were just doing what we called curated tastings. So you could come in, you could hear our story and taste our products, but we weren't letting anyone into the production areas. And then come early May, we felt comfortable enough, safe enough to to start letting the public into those spaces. So tours, tastings, retail, the bar, we're, awesome. we're open. Back. Yep, four days a week, Thursday through Sunday. So tell awesome. us about the product. Like, I'm, you know... I- I'm a person who consumes alcohol, but doesn't really know much about <laughs> where, where it comes from and how, yeah. how you know how we like, create. What it. do you do when you go to work every day? Like, <laughs> how does this magic yes. happen? Um, but tell us, you know, for those who again are not as familiar with the brand, what do you what, what is being produced right here in downtown Memphis? Yeah, so um, in house we do produce two different vodkas. We have our Memphis vodka, which is just a grain based, unflavored vodka. We use our Tennessee whiskey mash bill. Um, to produce that. So it's just kind of a unique take on vodka. Hmm. But then we also have our Honey Bell citrus flavored vodka. Um, And if you're not familiar... You have my interest. Yeah, if you're not familiar (laughs) with the Honey Bell, it is a fruit. It's a real fruit that grows in southern Florida about three months of the year. Um, And it's, I think you can only buy it through Harry and David. So it's not common at all. But it's a cross between a grapefruit and a tangerine. And so you get that nice sweetness from the tangerine, but it's got a little bit of tartness yeah. from the grapefruit, and that's what our vodka is. Um, so if you're a big fan of citrus vodka, this is a, a nice alternative. So is it just infused with the juice? I'm like, so <laughs> so we we did try using the actual fruit um, in product development, and it ended up with great products, great versions. But we needed like 20 tons okay. of yeah. fruit, and so we realized that wasn't wasn't practical, wasn't doable. And I think we would have had to charge you guys like $50 a bottle. Yeah, not gonna work. Um, <laughs> so we ended up having to work with a flavor house to develop a natural extract. Okay, cool, very cool. I like. I was the person that I did not really like when people talked about wine, and they'd be like, mm-hmm. "It has notes of cherry." Yes. Or, I'd be like, "I guess I just put some cherry in there." <laughs> that is not the case. I had to like go to Napa Valley to learn this, like touring <laughs> wineries. Like, when do you add the fruit? Uh, yeah. So, um, so in addition to the vodka, what else? Uh, so, what am I looking at across the table here? Yes. <laughs> so we've got our gin, um, which was released back in March 2020. So just oh, in time okay. for <laughs> everything to shut down. Um, so we're kind of treating this year as its as its first year in the market, um, and it is not a typical gin. So if you're thinking that you've had, you know, bad gin experiences <laughs> because it tasted like Christmas tree. This is not that type of gin. Okay. Um, I've had several people who had that super negative reaction mm-hmm. to gin, taste it, and really liked it. Um, so it is a different take on gin. We also have our Memphis toddy. It's a flavored bourbon. We take our high rye bourbon and we steep it with cinnamon, clove, black pepper, cardamom, and citrus. Mm. And this is actually a product um, that dates back to before Prohibition. It was a product that Dominico actually had. He called it the Dominic toddy. Um and we don't have the recipe from that original product, but we did have a full bottle, and we sent the liquid off to be analyzed, and we kind of reverse engineered huh. the recipe from that. Um, so that's that's one of our our favorite products, kind of you know a flagship for us. But then we also have our Hewling Station line of products, and this is a whiskey line. Um, it is our recipe, it's our yeast, it's our barrels, but produced for us. 
um, in Indiana because mm. our facility wasn't ready. But in that line, we've got a high rye bourbon, we've got a wheat whiskey, we've got a blend of whiskeys, which is actually a combination of the bourbon and the wheats. Mm. And then we also have a single barrel program that we do with the bourbon. And so you'll see those pop up throughout Memphis um, pretty regularly. I'm just like I'm like astounded right now, <laughs> just because it is to your point, Anna. Like it's such a cool thing, and what's even cooler about it is that obviously I am female identifying, and you are also female identifying and a woman. And I just think that is such an outstanding thing because not only are you the first female distiller since prohibition in Memphis. You are also the president of the Tennessee Distillers Guild and no telling what else I'm not getting to, but I I hate when people always ask me like, what's it like to be a woman in leadership? Like I'm not a huge fan of those kind yeah. of questions, but I am a fan of just wondering like, how do you feel kind of being in that position to forge and not necessarily a new path, but just to be put in that role like, how does that feel sometimes? Or are you just like, I don't want to talk about it. It feels too much. <laughs> no, I, I definitely do look forward to the day when it's no longer how does it feel to be a woman right. in the industry. It's what's it just like to be in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yes. I do look forward to that day, but I know we're not there yet. We've still got a long ways to go. But we're getting there. We are. We are. And, you know, when I first decided to get into the industry, we didn't really have any other women in the industry for me to look up to, Mm -hmm. reach out to, have as mentors. Um, And so if I can be that for the next generation of distillers, then I'll own it. I'll do it. Um, Show them that this is an option because a lot of people don't realize that you can do this, whether you're a woman, man, whatever. Yeah. You can do it. You don't know it's a possibility, really. Like, they don't give this as a career path on it, like, the day in high school. Oh, yeah, this is not career day. No. But I'm like, I mean, there's it's so cool what all you guys do. And it isn't just you. It's not just making this product. There is so much design and things that have to go into this, right? Like, you have a whole team of people. We do. We do. We design all of our labels in-house now. Um, Sorry, I get to work with our creative director on that. And then we have our marketing team who comes up with all of the different photos for Instagram and social media, all of those. And then, of course, the sales team. And then you have the hospitality team. You know, we kind of say we have three different businesses within our building because you have the production side, you have the sales mm-hmm. side, and then you also have a gorgeous space. A gorgeous yeah. space yeah, down there. for tours and tastings, which is kind of its own own business almost. Yeah. And I see that's what I mean is like, why isn't this presented as an option? Because it very much is outside of the product you're pushing. And what's funny is even in Kentucky, it's not really Really? was not um, ever brought up as an option for your career. Now that's changing since I graduated. Um, however long ago that was, (laughs) not going to say, um, but UK actually has started a program, um, for oh, people to cool. get into the industry. Yeah. So they realized, and I think Louisville, University of Louisville. You're like, I did it. It's because of me. They finally, <laughs> yeah, they realized there was, they were really overlooking yeah. something. And I mean, they're in the heart of bourbon country. Yeah, why in the world? Robust they robust industry there for sure. Yeah. Why they weren't doing it before. I have no idea. But they're finally, they're finally catching on. Very cool. Yeah. Well, you described so beautifully the the intricate flavors and sort of, you know, what the, the composition of each of these liquors are. I'm so curious, you know, you, you told us that you are a chemist, so there's this, you know, what I imagine is, is more of a hard science, um, and then there's the, like, palette part of your job, where you have to create, like, crafting these very, like, particular glorious tastes. So, tell me how you how you approach that work. Do you, 
that you completely trust your own palette. You have other people that you're like bouncing. I, I'm using the word ideas as if like, a, but I'm just curious, like the 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 combination of skills that has to go into being good at your job in particular. Yeah, um, it definitely is a, a mix of science and art. You have to be able to do both. Um, fortunately, a lot of the science is kind of done. Mm. Um, you use that in designing your equipment in setting your temperature parameters and things like that. And so we kind of did that a long time ago. Um, and as long as you're consistent, then the product will, will be consistent. Mm. And you know what's coming out. Um, but the art side of it, the palette side, um, whether or not I have other people, it kind of depends on what we're doing. Um, so I mentioned the single barrel program earlier. That literally means that I sit down and, and taste through barrels and I say yes or no. If I say no, it doesn't mean that it's a bad barrel. It just isn't single barrel worthy. You know, it needs to be mixed with some other ones. So that one, I tend to trust my palate on that one. But when it comes to actual final product development, so when we were coming up with the wheat or when we were coming up the blend of whiskeys, that was a team effort. That was weeks of tasting panels. Um, blind tastings. You don't know what you're tasting. Yeah. You just gotta you gotta rank it. Sounds like a tough job. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You no, know, sometimes it, it's it hard is. to get people to show up for it. It's amazing. I'm offering like alcohol at eight a.m. I will Come give on. you my my cell number. <laughs> like my, Anna is over here. My salivating. direct line. <laughs> you know, but that's a team effort because you want your products to appeal yeah. not just to yourself, mm. but to anyone and everyone. And the only way to get that is by making sure you get those tasting panels and you get everyone's input. Hmm. So Christy hinted at this a little bit ago. Um, you've talked about the products that y'all make. Um, you had to pivot. <laughs> That's like the big word. I know. It is the <laughs> word of 2020. Um, I, you know, it's funny because I, I feel like we just spent a whole year, especially towards the beginning of the pandemic when we, we just didn't know anything yeah um and if we had um but you'd kind of like walk into a room and go like oh it smells like alcohol in here because everyone was just like dousing their yes. hands with sanitizers so um i did not realize you could make hand sanitizer out of alcohol this was all again in my wine uh knowledge it was about that level like, <laughs> you disinfect so tell us like whose idea was this how did i mean i, I assume that you had to be the leader and as you said sort of like creating the equipment and setting the temperatures and all of that so just take us on this journey what happened in march of 2020 oh man um you're like i don't want to think about it i blocked I, it out i think most <laughs> distillers are hoping to never have to say the words hand sanitizer yes. ever again um so for us we heard other distilleries doing it they jumped on you know a lot of them reacted very very quickly to the hand sanitizer demand um, so we heard them doing it, and I'm pretty sure for us the idea came from our president, Chris Canale Jr., and I think our sales guy, Clark. Um, they kind of tag-teamed it and wanted to do it and would not let me say no. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what it amounted to. You're like, alcohol sales are soaring. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Seriously, my team was keeping plenty busy. Um, the big issue we ran into, and it was the only reason I didn't just immediately say, yes, let's do it, was – there was a supply chain issue mm -hmm. and everyone was feeling it. So yeah, I had alcohol. I had a lot of high proof alcohol, which is, you know, the, the key ingredient, but you also needed hydrogen peroxide. I don't know if you can picture target back in, in April, you couldn't get a bottle of hydrogen peroxide to save your life. No first aid equipment, mm -hmm. nothing. Um, and so it was things like that. And even bottles, it was almost impossible mm. to get those little bottles and the caps. I think we ended up with two or three different bottle designs just to get the quantity we needed. We ended up with like five different caps 
for the same reason. Like there was no uniformity because <laughs> we couldn't get it. Yeah. Um, and so that definitely was probably the biggest challenge was, was trying to do that. And then also I didn't want to jump the gun because we are um, regulated by the TTB, so the federal government. We are not licensed to produce what is considered an over-the-counter drug. Mm. That's what hand sanitizer is. And so... The more you know. It, like, I, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea until no. all of this started. Um, and the TTB was racing to figure this out and make it to where we all could legally do this. Mm-hmm. Um, FDA was racing to help them and come up with standards and give us formulas that were approved. Um and so it was kind of doing all these things at the same time. Try to get your raw materials, but also be patient enough to let let the government entities that are regulating you actually approve everything so that you know you're producing something safe for everyone. Yeah. Um, so trying to do all of that was, was very entertaining, very educational. Um, kind of felt like I was back in school trying yes. to test these different formulas <laughs> yeah. and figure out which, which one we use. Um, but then in the end, it was a huge team effort. Uh, my team did all of the blending of the hand sanitizer, but then we had the sales team, the marketing team, um, what members of the hospitality staff that we still had, our office employees, everybody was in the production area, each with their own table, because you got to socially distance, <laughs> filling these bottles by hand. Wow. Oh, and labeling them by hand. That, I was curious about that, because that's a whole different level of machinery to utilize yes right? yeah we our equipment doesn't go down to that size right and i also didn't really want to put those chemicals in yeah on the same bottling line as a consumable and so that was just we for appreciate us. you for that <laughs> <laughs> you know i just didn't seem to make sense so everything was done by hand everyone had little beakers and funnels and <laughs> it was it was um an interesting time for everyone i think i feel like that's just a very memorable thing that you're going to tell somebody one day and it's going to be like what is this lady talking about? once we get far enough away from yes. it i think it'll be funny it, it yes it's yes it's one of those things where you're like was it traumatic or what's happening i'm just gonna laugh so i don't cry it's fine <laughs> but like you guys really took on that challenge of there was a need there was a need in memphis and a greater need externally of course but right here in our city there was a need and you guys really took that and stepped up to the plate to make those changes which i think is honestly like a cool intro and segue into your ted talk which was about you know perfectionism and kind of doing that but before we're going to definitely dive into that and the listeners get to listen to your ted talk but i kind of want to give a preview just you talking about meeting to rise challenges and things like that when you were given the green light to do a TED Talk, one, I want to know how you felt. I need to know those feelings. And then two, did the topic just come to your mind instantly or did you have to workshop it a little bit? Um, so when I was first presented with it, I was terrified. I hate, I hate public speaking. Same. Public speaking is awful. It's, it's a nightmare for me. Um, to our marketing director at the time, um, I told him about it, and I was like, should I do this? Can I say no? Is that even an option? <laughs> he's um, like, no. And that's, that's exactly what he's like. You have to say yes. You, yeah. You, I'll help you with it, but you have to say yes. So that, that was terrifying. I hated it. <laughs> hated every moment of it. Um, but no, uh, as far as the idea, it was kind of – it was workshopped. I had someone help me write it. Um, and so I think I threw a couple ideas at her. And I, she just kept morphing it and morphing it until finally she's like, this is what you talk about. Yeah. Um, so it kind of it was it was an organic way to, to come up with the the topic. It's a very elegant metaphor, and um, you, sometimes people come up with the like I think they come up with the title of a TED talk, 
which is not enough for a title. <laughs> like, oh, that's a great title, but I, you, I, this is a wonderful talk. There's a reason yes, that we chose it. It really to, came to full circle. This week. Well, let's let's not uh, tease the audience and uh, <laughs> let's listen in on the 2019 TED Talk, "Whiskey: The Cure for Perfectionism." Let's go. Perfection. State or quality of being free from fault or defect. Perfection takes perseverance. A lot of hard work. Relentless commitment. And you have to be comfortable being pushed past your limits, pushed outside your comfort zone. I know because I've spent my whole life there, outside my comfort zone, pushing myself, striving for perfection. As a kid, if I made a mistake on my paper, I would obsessively work my eraser, no matter how long it took, to ensure every speck of it was totally, neatly erased before I could move on. I'm a textbook perfectionist. And really, I see my perfectionism as an asset. It's a drive inside of me that's been critical to my success. I've built my career on it. But it's also something that can poison you. Something that can keep you from seeing the beauty, the good, the achievement, and all of those near-perfect moments in your life, in your work. Because ultimately, what we know, what even I know, is that true perfection is impossible. So how do we teach ourselves to be happy with the pursuit. How can I, as a perfectionist, give myself permission to be happy with great, or good, or A for effort? I strived for straight A's in school, which meant I worked hard, studied a lot. But even that wasn't enough. I had to be well-rounded. Basketball, theater, yearbook, once I signed up for something, I saw it through to completion, even after taking multiple basketballs to the face, breaking my glasses on more than one occasion. But still, I did not quit. I also failed tests, got C's in a class or two. I even considered changing my major from chemical engineering when things got hard. I can't imagine where I would be now if I had switched to biology or business. And I definitely did not succeed in becoming a basketball all-star. And with each of those, I felt like a failure. Why should I put forth all of this effort if I was only ever going to fall short? When I was 21, I got my first job in a distillery. On my feet for 14 hours a day, I was the youngest employee and the only female on the production team. Squeegeeing the floors, moving hoses, polishing the copper and brass on the stills. It was less than glamorous. Seven years later, thanks in part to that pesky perfectionism, I found myself moving to Memphis to become the first female head distiller in the state of Tennessee. It was the opportunity of a lifetime, something I had worked so hard to achieve, to be able to design and create my own products, put my spin on something, to even have a say in how that bottle would look, was the ultimate dream. 
but it was also an opportunity that would test me, and one that would teach me an important lesson about my own pursuit of perfection. I come from the bourbon world. Before this job, I had only ever made bourbon and rye whiskey, and soon enough, I found myself trying to make gin. I don't know how much you know about whiskey or gin, but they're not exactly close relatives. I wouldn't even call them distant cousins. But here I was, trying to make gin, and because of my nature, it had to be as perfect a gin as I could make. So I spent weeks studying the processes, and then a year, hundreds of hours, developing one product. I went through batch after batch, tweaking the recipe, sometimes to good effect. Sometimes, not so much. And when I thought I finally had it right, I shot up in bed one night after a nightmare that my gin was so awful that people were literally spitting it out of perfectly good gin and tonics. Thankfully, that did not happen. Thanks to my quest for perfection and some patience, I eventually landed on a recipe I was really happy with, and the gin was able to hit shelves. Ultimately, though, I spend most of my days thinking about and making whiskey. Every day, I make sure every part of the process, every element leading up to sealing a full barrel, is as perfect as I can achieve. The grain ratios, the fermentation, the distillation—everything is exactly as I want it. But then, we have to wait. Me and my perfectionism have to put our faith in a wooden barrel. Whiskey cannot be rushed. It doesn't let you know if it's any good until months, years after you've done the work. I have to wait while a barrel does its own uncontrollable thing for several years. Now I, I can take samples from the barrels every couple of months, which helps to ease the anxiety. But I still worry every day that it might not turn out as I hope. It might not be perfect. Imagine for a moment. That you're an author, and you're writing a novel. You have your outline. You've even written a few chapters. Now imagine you're not allowed to write the remaining chapters. You have to take your book and lock it up in a room for four years. The literary elves will do the rest for you. You can open the door every couple months and read a line or two, but no more. Then you have to close and lock that door again, and this goes on for four long years. And in the end, you can only make minor editing changes to what those literary elves did for you. Did your anxiety just go up? <laughs> Welcome to the whiskey world. Ten years in an industry shows you a lot. It teaches you a lot. I am not the first person who has put liquid in a barrel and had to wait, had to let it do its own thing. So I look to those who came before me to remind myself that it's okay to not have control over that one part of the process. That in the end, that barrel will do exactly what it's supposed to. Turns out, whiskey has made it easier to be a perfectionist. In an imperfect world, it has helped me find the balance in striving for perfection in the things I can control, and being comfortable 
with the less than perfect, uncontrollable aspects of life. So as a perfectionist, how do you know when you've achieved your goal? When can you say you've succeeded? It's going to be different for everyone. For me, it's when my husband, my parents, my brother, my in-laws, try something I created for the first time, and they light up, and then they mix up a cocktail, and another, and another. <laughs> I can't make everyone happy, or make everyone like what I create, but I can make myself happy, and I can make my family happy. That is my idea of success, of perfection. Cheers. Transform your city with New Memphis Fellows. Are you mid-career professional with a passion for transforming your community? Let New Memphis amplify your service. The New Memphis Fellows Program is a leadership development experience for mid-career leaders designed for high-performing professionals already excelling in their careers and positively impacting our community. New Memphis will magnify your impact. Through the Fellows Experience, you will gain concrete resources to aid in our city's progress. Apply today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information. All right, guys, you just heard Alex Castle's TEDx Memphis talk, Whiskey, the Cure for Perfectionism. Like Anna said, that name. Let's just start there. How did, how did you decide to even go this route about perfectionism and whiskey? Um, it, was, it was really just conversations with people um, trying to figure out what what I could even talk about yeah um and I definitely have always had that perfectionist in me um same and it's hard it is it really <laughs> is and and like I talk about in the talk it with whiskey it yeah there is a lot you can control and you can mm -hmm. you can make the the processes themselves perfect but there is a crap ton that you have zero control over yes. um and you just you you just have to hope <laughs> that it turns out right. Well, like you, you started off your talk kind of, you know, giving everyone a definition of perfectionism, which I loved because a lot of people assume a lot of things about it. But you then talked about how being a perfectionist makes you have to step out of your comfort zone all the time. Like, and I, I've never thought about it from that lens as a, you know, I would like to say recovering perfectionist, but I'm not. <laughs> like, I am in it. Oh, it's it's an everyday, yeah, everyday battle. Yeah, it's just like a lifetime thing. And if and people, I'm like, I'm a Virgo, okay? I'm going to blame it on astrology. Like, I don't even know if that's, like, factual, but that's what we're going to say. Can, like, can we say that about Pisces? Yes. I, I, yeah. Yes. I, I don't know. Yes. I'm going to go yes. Um, but, like, I found that super interesting in how, you know, you have to step out of your comfort zone all the time. What made you lead with that piece? Probably because I think it, it it's the most relatable aspect of it. I agree. Because um, I'm also an introvert, and so my job... So much in common here, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so my job constantly has me be an extrovert. Same. Ted, <laughs> As Ted. I sit here on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And doing a TED Talk. Yes. Like that is that is not stuff I normally do. Um, and most people don't. They really right. don't. And so... And it's okay. It's okay to be these things, but know that it's also okay to, to step outside of it, push yourself a little yeah. bit further, and the reward will be completely worth it. I agree. And I think 
your talk really showed perfectionism as an asset, even though it has, like anything, any strength or weakness we all have, right, it has its pros and cons. And so how long did it take you as a professional to get to this, or just a person, honestly, in general, like, how long did it take you to get to this place of acceptance with your perfectionist nature? I'm not asking for Um. me, I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) You know, I mean, I definitely still struggle with it. Yeah. It depends on if it if it's work or if it's personal. Um, you know, it's kind of different as to how I handle it, depending on what the situation yeah. is. Uh, but I would definitely say uh, probably my time out Wild Turkey showed me that I just needed to to be able to to say that's good enough. Right. Let's move on. We got to make whiskey. That's really cool. Like, so that is something as a professional, obviously, at least that's what I call myself some days, um, is that you kind of have to decide that ABC work, right? Like, I feel like as a perfectionist, which you are as well, you want to give that A and you want to go beyond that A all the time. But, you're, you know, sometimes the B is fun. A minus, right? B plus, yes. it's like, absolutely sometimes okay. Sometimes even C territory. I'm like, let's just do it. I'm running on fumes at this point (laughs) well because beyond yourself who's gonna know yes that it's c-level work yeah to them it could come across as a-level work and and, in the end isn't that kind of honestly what matters exactly i think that's really cool that you say that though because in your field specifically there's a lot that goes on but ultimately all we see as people is that end product and that is what we know. That is what we see. We don't get to see the crazy back end stuff of how many designs you had to go through or how many tasting barrels you yeah, had to Yeah, you, you don't see the rejected labels. No. <laughs> or like how, just as a graphic designer, like, I'm like, I could have moved that text like two centimeters the other way and it would have been perfect. Nobody notices. And there's something, there's something all, like a little maddening about that because you're like, I notice. But there's also something just relaxing about the fact that like you put out this product that people get to consume and people love, by mm-hmm. the way. Like I have a very simple question and then I know this is not TED Talk related, but don't worry, I have more of those. What is your favorite product you guys make? Or actually, and I want to know both. What's your favorite product you like to consume of you guys? And what's your favorite thing to mix up with a product? Um, so favorite product, honestly, is going to be dependent on on the season and, and kind of what the mood yeah. is. You know, the hotter months, I love our honey bell and our gin. Mm-hmm. It's just a pro, you know, perfect this for the summertime. Yeah. And then, but at the same time, like we've got the R and D line that's distillery only, mm-hmm. um, and that's where we had our all the cookies bourbon. Um, and and really, I think that probably is one of my favorite products because it's just so unique. Yeah, um, and it sounded it's really cool when you described it earlier. Oatmeal raisin cookie bourbon. Like, <laughs> who doesn't want that? I guess people that don't like oatmeal raisin cookies. But I mean, it, do do we do we need those people? I, I personally, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> just I mean, I'm, it's okay, guys. I get the disappointment when you think it's chocolate chip, but it's oatmeal raisin. But I'm here. I stand an oatmeal raisin cookie on this podcast, and I will stand behind that. Absolutely, and that, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, if it's masquerading as a chocolate yeah. chip cookie, that there's nothing it's, worse. There's disappointment there. Yeah. There's always going to be disappointment with raisins masquerading as chocolate. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, but that's. I think that's that sounds amazing. I'm like sitting here salivating. It's fine. It was a it was a fun <laughs> one and still one of my favorites. Um, and as far as mixing up yeah. with the drinks, again going back to that Honey Bell and I was the, say it sounds like it could hit a bunch of different things. I do I do soda water a oh. lot, like with the the vodkas and the gin. Okay. I just do those with soda water. 
on ice in the summertime and you've got the perfect you know hot summer day drink yeah and you still get a good sense of the product itself without like diluting it with like Sprite or something like me a peasant would do (laughs) (laughs) well so I just don't need the sugar that comes with the soda that's fair (laughs) it's like also this is like these are your babies Yes. I feel like so you're very protective of them and their flavors and you know how they're meant to be experienced. And me, I'm like, I want to respect that. But at the same time, I don't know if I'm strong (laughs) enough to my tolerances. That's when you go to a bar, go to our (laughs) bar and say, I want a gin cocktail and Uh, and they will take care of you. That's that's true. You guys also have an awesome rooftop, which we didn't really hit on. But guys, the old Dominic rooftop. It's amazing. It's um it's not guaranteed open every day that right. we're open because we do have private events that yes. rent that space out. But you um, can call beforehand and ask. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Call ahead. No. Um, unfortunately, there's there's not a lot of shade on the rooftop anymore. Mm-hmm. So in the, the dead of summer, it's it, it may not be the most pleasant place to sit. <laughs> well, I know we just took a tangent because, you know, they let me have the reins of this for a minute by myself and that's bound to happen. But like coming back to your talk outside of perfectionism and the reason I brought up like the products again and things like that you guys really kind of you know I feel like a secondary piece to your TED talk outside of the perfectionism is how like you can achieve a dream you did you achieved this dream of yours but then you created a new dream with a new product and new things like that so I just want to know what do you think is so important about continuing to evolve your dreams as you grow? I mean, you just said it. You grow. Mm-hmm. You know, you never, I don't think a person ever stops growing, ever stops changing. Oh, you shouldn't. Like, yeah. What What's the fun in that? Yes. Um, and so it's okay that the dream you had when you were five <laughs> It never happened because who you were when you were five versus when you're in your 30s are completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and by allowing your dreams to evolve, you're embracing that change. You're embracing that growth. And, it, you know, I'm I'm all for being content. I mm-hmm. think it's great to be content. Oh, there yeah. are great things in it. Relish in what you achieve, for Absolutely. Sure. But always, always look to see if there's something more. See what the next thing is, whether it's just an extension of what you're already doing or maybe it's a complete change. Maybe you mm-hmm. just completely leave the career you've had and you've been happy with and satisfied right. with and go to a completely different path. And that's that's where your dream takes you. Yeah, it's, it's really cool because in your specific example, it is you started with whiskey and then you went on to these new products. And Old Dominic is, of course, just this force. Like I mentioned, I said you were a force and it's an asset, but you guys both together, I, I feel like you are Old Dominic, which I know is not the case. You have a whole team behind you, uh, but you are very much a face of Old Dominic in the city. And you guys have just taken that. You did the sanitizer. Like you have shown that in action as a person and you have done it very gracefully from what I've like seen we we hide a lot of it (laughs) that's see again it's what people see it's the final product to me I'm like I would never be that elegant and having to pivot that much and then I would see what we've had to do and I'm like oh maybe I'm all right (laughs) yeah you just you just hide the messy part yeah that's fair I think that's also like a perfectionist thing it's like nobody can see no one can see the crack it's fine You just hang a lot of curtains, you know, hide it all. Well, like, I I love, obviously, I'm obsessed with your talk. I had not seen your talk till before. Um, I knew Anna Thompson told me that you were coming on the show, and I was like, great. And so I went and I saw the title, and it was that whiskey, the cure for perfectionism. I'm like, 
okay, I'm already sold. Like, what is this going to be about? And you, you really started with that perfectionist angle. And then you did this, I guess it would be called an analogy, not a metaphor. You know, it's fine, whatever. But you talked about, like, if you were a book writer mm-hmm. and you talked, you gave the term literary elves. I always do air quotes and I forget. No one can see. No, yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you said literary elves and that example gave me so much anxiety and then you even said that you're like do you feel anxious I'm like yes Alex Castle I do I do feel anxious I felt anxious saying it. <laughs> like but when you brought it around like that it was really interesting to hear that perspective is how you feel waiting on these barrels how do you I mean I know how you we talked a little bit about how you've grown to cope with that but is that still kind of a point of anxiety for you every time Absolutely. And it's it's kind of shifted a little bit recently um, because our, our Tennessee whiskey is going to be released next year oh, in 2022. Yeah. Um, and that'll be the first whiskey that I've produced that will be hitting store shelves. So you were an anxious Yeah, so there's a whole, so excited. There's a whole <laughs> new level of anxiety at this point um, because at least tasting the barrels periodically, yeah. like, I'm happy with it. But suddenly, kind of what we talked about earlier... Now it's not just my opinion that matters. So <laughs> so the anxiety is, 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 is picking back up. Right. Well, you did great. Your TED Talk, I feel when I get nervous, I ramble. Point, this is, why did they let me have this platform? <laughs> I don't know. Ask WYXR. I love you guys. Um, but I, you did so good because you were very, I know you have to. There's a lot that goes into preparing for a TED Talk. You have to memorize your talk. But you you also speak very elegantly where I again am a mess over here but how we're about to launch into our TED is coming back in October we have we'll have a whole new round of speakers what is your advice to somebody and just in public speaking in general because you are fearful of it oh I hate it I was shaking the entire time I was on that (laughs) stage it was awful it helps you get to walk around a little bit it does but I also never um never had to memorize something that mm-hmm. length before you know you always have the powerpoint as a crutch right. um and so you didn't have a crutch for this <laughs> it was awful um she's kidding it was a wonderful experience no so it's <laughs> no, one I'm of joking. those it, it was one of the the worst experiences because it, it, it yes. I, i'm terrified of it but at the same time it was one of the most rewarding um and it could have just been the group i had but we were all in the green room waiting for our, our talks to start And every time someone went out to get mic'd to go on stage, we all patted each other on the back. And then as soon as that person got done with their talk and came back to the green room, it was high fives all around. Um, Even even if the person maybe didn't do as well because they were nervous, you you still gave them high fives and said they did terrific. Like it was just such camaraderie um, in that room. And I had never met any of these people before. Oh, wow. And yet that was the environment we had. Um, so that that helped. Um, and even afterwards, as we were leaving, we had I had some people walk up to me and tell me that immediately that they had to show my talk to their daughters mm-hmm. because they would relate to it. And I didn't expect that. Um, so while it was one of the most terrifying <laughs> things of my life, it was also one of the most rewarding. Um, it was a fantastic experience. And advice for anyone doing a TED Talk, first off, if you're asked, just say yes. Mm-hmm. You can do it. Us people in marketing will be like, yes, always the answer is yes. Yes, always say <laughs> yes. Um, and two, I pick a topic that you really do believe in, that you are passionate about, because it will make it easier 
to get up there and speak on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you forget your script, hopefully it's something you, you know, really well. So you can, you can go off book and, and still be okay. Yeah. I, you just said that very greatly about how you hated the process. You can hate the process and still know you're going to be happy with the end result. And I didn't mean for that to come back around completely to what you do, but it, it does. It does flawlessly. And you, to those moms that said they had to show your talks to their daughters, like, as a fully grown adult in her early 30s, I need, like, it was so timed in such a way that I was, I was just amused at how the world works is when I had to watch, I was watching it because I knew you were coming on. I was like, oh, okay. So this is a personal attack. Great. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, so I have not watched my talk um, <laughs> since it went live yeah. online. I watched it once to, to know how bad it was before sending <laughs> the link out to family and friends. It was wonderful. And I haven't watched it since. No, you were great. And it shows that we as humans can do hard things, right? We're fully capable. And guys, uh, this was just so good. I want you to tell the people before we let you go, where can they, I know you told them the distilleries downtown, but it's where can they learn more? Is there a website? Do you guys have social? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely check out our website. It's olddominic.com. Don't forget it is two Ds, Old Dominic, <laughs> and there's a K at the end as yes. well. Um, and we have a great history section on there, plus info about our products. There's a where to find us section of the website that um, you can type in your zip code and see where if our products are available near you, mm-hmm. um, like specific stores. And uh, also follow us on socials. Old Dominic has, of course, Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow me on Instagram at Memphis Distiller. Uh, I tend to show a little more behind the scenes Mm, um, type of stuff. stuff. Yeah, stuff that marketing probably doesn't really want me to show, (laughs) but I do it anyway. Um, And definitely follow, definitely start following our socials because we've got some fun product releases that are coming out later this year. Some um, special collaborations with um, some, some entities in the city as well as uh, more R&D releases. That's super exciting. And guys, we're going to wrap the interview now with Alex, but she has brought some fun tasting stuff. So I will be posting that on all of our social channels. So stay in touch. You know where to follow us at The New Memphis. So while you're doing that, go on over and follow Old Dominic on all of their stuff. They take beautiful pictures. And like Alex said, I know we follow her on the New Memphis account, and she gives those behind-the-scenes looks. But, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Thank you for having me. This was absolutely so much fun. This was so fun. And now, again, I feel seen. So <laughs> that's always a good way to start a Monday, a Tuesday. Um, so I don't even know what day of the week it is at I, this point. I have no clue what month it is, what year it is. <laughs> it's like 2020 just reset us all. And I'm like, how do I be a human being anymore? It's fine. But, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Okay, guys, what a great episode. I just, the perfectionist in me is just, I, again, I said it on the episode and I'm saying it now. I feel seen, kind of tacked, personally victimized, but you know, we're here and we've learned a lot about ourselves today. So it was such a good episode. And Anna Mullins Ellis, what's going on? What is going on? 
we have a lot it was a great episode i'm just leading i'm I'm still recovering from my little mini whiskey shot and just reflecting on perfectionism and um how cool alex is yeah so good to see her i feel like (laughs) as with everyone i run into now i'm like it's been forever because it truly has it i haven't seen so many people and i've communicated and met so many people only virtually and through email I feel like within the last year. So now when I get to meet them face to face, like I ran into Jonathan Mosley this weekend, who we've had on the podcast, who we've interviewed. And he was like, how do I know you? And I'm like, you've not seen me without a mask on. We've never officially met. (laughs) And so like, it's such a surreal experience now getting back to life. It is both. I was telling my husband, um, I I went to the grocery store for the first time without a mask. Like (gasps) I'm fully vaccinated and I've sort of been like, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna walk into Whole yeah. Foods and I'm you know I'm gonna live my fully vaxxed life and like out and proud. Yeah. And I walked <laughs> in and like turned down an aisle and like immediately saw somebody I knew who like waved at me and I was like, ah! <laughs> I was like this, I'm not ready. Abort, abort. Yeah, I was like I need a I need a face covering. Um. So yes. Uh. Well, this was great. I'm so glad that Alex got to join us. If you have not been down to Old Dominic, head out there. It is truly a, a gorgeous mm-hmm. space. Um. A beautifully. Um redone old building you know i mean it's 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 a historic space what they do in it is super cool so whether you're going to take a tour or do a tasting uh it, it is super fun um and i will say one more time that uh this was a ted episode yes thank you. you you nailed it that time i keep practicing uh and we are going to be hosting our 2021 tedx memphis conference uh, october 30th at the levitt shell it's going to be a big day it's going to be a fun day it's going to be in person and safe and i can't wait yes. um i'm just like i here in like the heat of the summer i'm also like it will be fall and that yeah. sounds pretty rad so and it's the halloween weekend what a perfect way to start off. Truly. Yes. Like, come to TED and then, like, go trick-or-treating. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, we will, we may have candy there. You don't know. We don't We don't even know at this point. We I was going to say, maybe we will. <laughs> it's a great idea. There will be fun food trucks. There will be drinks. There's packages available when you get to the website. Guys, it's going to be such a fun time. You know where you can find out about all these fun times, Anna? You know, I, I say it every week, but I always forget. Yeah, if you visit at the New Memphis on all four social media channels, you could be privy to all of this knowledge early on. So what are you waiting for? Run, don't walk. Or if you're in your car, you know you can wait to get on your social channels till you're at your desk. But guys, give us a follow so you know when those TEDx tickets are launching, when everything, the next packages will launch, what's available there. And also just get a clue into all the great events New Memphis does and also our professional development and how you can get involved. Um, otherwise, though, I'm going to go to my office after this and recover from Alex Castle's interview because not only was I victimized by uh, perfectionism, I'm also victimized by the shot she brought and I need a nap. <laughs> I, I fully condone it. As the leader of New Memphis, everybody everybody needs a nap. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Memphis. We will see you next week. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Level up with New Memphis Fellows. Established in your career, but feel something's missing? Let New Memphis complete the puzzle. The New Memphis Fellows Program is a leadership development experience for mid-career leaders designed for high-performing professionals already excelling in their careers and impacting our community. New Memphis Fellows will amplify your power with connections, skills, and experiences. Level up on your career and apply for Fellows today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information.